0: This is the Pro America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Great to be with you today. Hey, if you're listening to the program live right now, proamericareport.com, you can go there and sign up for the daily email, the daily wink. I'm also doing this with a little video. I had some of you all tell me, hey, while you're doing this, do some video, jump out there. So I thought I'd record this while I'm doing it because uh, I'm sitting here at the, at the computer uh, getting ready for the show and uh, I have some great guests today. We'll Talk on the pro-life issue. We'll talk about that. What happened over the weekend? I think it was late Friday. Uh, decision from the U.S. Supreme Court. Not really a decision. We'll get to that. Uh, we'll also uh, catch up with our friend Cheryl Chumley, who's over at the Washington Times, the uh, editorial page online editorial page editor. She is really cool. She has her own blog uh, and does great stuff. And we'll talk with her. But. What you need to know today. Oh, and of course, we will later on in the program talk about Ray Epps and 60 Minutes and how it's very easy to follow the narrative machine as it uses big government, big media and big tech to force a narrative on the American people. When you see 60 Minutes join in, you realize, huh. Something's going on. What is it? What's going on? Well, I think there's some desperation and some fear about what's happened with the January 6th hearings, what's happened with some of the lawsuits. The truth is percolating. And even though Ray Epps admitted nothing last night, and there was no change in the sort of facts that have been presented, a lot of questions remain. And we'll talk about why. It's the dog that doesn't bark. It's the what remains unsaid as the cleverest of uh, intelligence community operatives and people that are working in that field tell us one thing, it's not that the one thing is a lie. It's what they haven't told us, and we'll talk about that. But first, what you need to know, I, I, I couldn't resist the headline for this uh, wink today is a uh, Jimmy Carter is messing up America one more time. Now, you know, I'm of the old school. You, you, I'm very careful when people die. I don't like to say too many bad things about them, certainly. And I don't know Jimmy Carter. I've never met him. Uh, I've read uh, stories about him. I've seen things. But he has been, for the better part of 30 or 40 years, as a public figure. He was a failed president. He obviously was in over his head, even though he had an extraordinary career as a young naval officer. I mean, extraordinary meaning he was highly trained and had succeeded in the Georgia State Senate and then as governor being elected. Uh, I don't know whether he was a good senator or a good uh, governor. Uh, I don't even know if he was a good naval officer, but he had credentials when he ran for president. But for 30 or 40 years now, he has been what I would say is the softener. As the Democrats have, in my opinion, and what I see, have as they have slid towards far left on issues, extremists, extremists on abortion, extremists on uh, sexuality, extremists on taking away from parents their rights, extremists on racism. Joe Biden had a whole career where he was harder on African-Americans in the inner cities than almost anybody. Uh, and they're, they're, the structural systemic racism of our school systems, that's all been given a softener. By sweet Jimmy Carter and his wife, and his his ministry. He was a a deacon or an elder in his church, you know. And he's he's a nice guy. And he when he got out of office, he wasn't bitter. Yeah, he, he didn't question the election. He just went off and started building houses. You know, Habitat for Humanity was one of his great focuses. He has been the great softener, the great softener of the reputation of Democrats in the face of a, a history. Of, of terrible racism and voter fraud and all the other things Democrats did. And to a, a current administration that has been uh, as corrupt with a small C, meaning transferring wealth to winners and losers and attacking the American people with their policies as anybody, any administration could be. And and Carter's done that all along. Well, he's up for one more effort to mess up America and it's a big deal. And I'm telling you this, it's being done intentionally. There have been a round of stories about jimmy carter entering hospice okay so he's almost 100 years old he has been sick in the past and about two months ago now it was announced that he was going into hospice and you say well that's the end of his life how sad you know we should and there was a series of stories almost the first story out there was joe biden bragging about the fact that jimmy carter asked him to speak at his funeral but be as it may that was embarrassing for everybody except joe biden who seems to be beyond embarrass- embarrassment at this point what, what's going on here is we have an issue at the end of life for so many of our, our, our seniors, the people that have honored us with their service and their life and have lived into their years, golden years. Like we never expected before, we have this population of, of aging out, people that are living into their 70s, 80s, 90s with more health and more health care and more options and more quality of life. And there is a movement. And the movement began in the late 70s, and it's a movement for hospice. Now, hospice in the late 70s was started in America by a Catholic woman. A Catholic woman in the late 70s went over to England where hospice had started. She came back to America, and she started the hospice movement in America. She was a, a, a educated in other schools, but she did her, her one of her residencies at that time, a few years before, at Georgetown University. And the president of Georgetown University encouraged her to do this. And hospice was about dignity. It was not about hastening death. It was not about money, but hospice has become a massive money maker for lots of either for profit companies or profit companies that are masquerading as uh, uh profits when they're making lots of money. How so? Well, Medicare's in the act, so government's picking winners and losers pay who to pay and the the effort is to hasten death and it's happening. All the time. You don't have to look at the physician-assisted suicide movement to see how troubling it is at the end of life to have people whose priority is to stop the burden on our systems, healthcare and otherwise, of old people. And it's happening all the time. So now flash forward. Most people go to hospice. You're required to have a diagnosis of six months to live. So it's at the end of your life. The doctor must say, well, your cancer's gotten so far, we can't treat it. Your Alzheimer's, your heart disease, it's gone so far, we can't treat it. You have six months or less to uh, live. That's the requirement of a diagnosis. And then most people, you get between uh, 90 and 120 days is how long people live. And there's payments for that. But here's what's going on. Jimmy Carter is living a lot longer in hospice than most people expected. And now there are glowing stories saying how wonderful hospice is and how wonderful the system is and how great it works, the current system. And the current system is hastening death far too often and getting people rich far too often. And why? It's unregulated. You, you at the end of a life if someone's only going to live for 90 more days the value of their life according to the the law and to uh to insurance companies is less and therefore the liability is less and so that you don't have to worry about it so much because if you lose the last 2 weeks of your life it's cut short by hastening death it's hard to have a a a, a, crim- a, a, a civil complaint uh, against someone for that what was the value you know what's the cost that's what's going on so unregulated very profitable and the secular values of our culture are overriding. But here's what I want to tell you. Jimmy Carter is being used his at the end of his life to, to promote the hospice over and over over the past four days. It has said Jimmy Carter was the real inspiration as president. He was the one that signed the 1982 law that created hospice, except he wasn't president in 1982. He wasn't. It was Reagan. And Reagan signed it at a time where we knew, again, this Catholic woman had started hospice in America, and what she knew was we needed to take care of these people. We couldn't let these people die without dignity. We certainly shouldn't be wanting them to hasten their own death. I'm telling you right now, Jimmy Carter is being used, or maybe he's a part of it, to promote a worldview that is secular, and it is payment-driven, and it is for people to make wealth and hasten death. It is not the values of Judeo-Christians. It's not the values of just humanists. It's the values of secularism. It's the values that are overriding what you're worth, what your utility is, and what's happening in our community. It is very, very disturbing that we have this set of factors that are happening in this country. And, and my so my wife, who's a physician who cares for seniors, that's her main uh, focus, she actually turned to me the other day and she said, they're doing this on purpose. This is, this is her idea. I should tell you her idea on this topic. He said, she said, they're doing this on purpose. They're doing this on purpose to make it look like hospice is working for people, to make it look like hospice is gentle and wonderful and loving. If Jimmy Carter did it, he used to build houses. Habitat for humanity. He's a nice guy. He wasn't a philanderer like Bill Clinton. He wasn't a, a loud mouth like uh, Obama or Trump. He, he's just a. he wasn't a, a ding dong like uh, Biden. He was just a nice guy. And he used this to, to great. It was great forever. And everybody should use hospice. Everybody should be a part of that system. And it's again, the values underlying it are deeply, deeply disturbing. And it's being used Oh, so my wife's point, I said, you think so? I said, looking, I was looking at all these things, the the error about 1982 and all. And she said, of course. And then she said, because you can't trust what they're telling you is true at all. It's what they're trying to push you into, meaning the media. And that's right. And that's right. And so watch the stories. No one will say a bad thing about Jimmy Carter when he dies. They might talk about his presidency. And I won't either, probably. But I can tell you what they will do. They'll be writing story after story as they're doing right now. Look for it now about how wonderful Jimmy Carter is and how hospice is working. And it's a plan. It's a part of hastening death for our seniors, of valuing, valuing them based on the utility and limiting the costs. It should be very, very concerning for all Americans. All right, that's what you need to know. We'll come back and we've got a lot more today. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Ed Martin here on the Pro ProAmerica Report. Talk to you in a minute. We'll Well, welcome, 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 welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Time to check in. We've been talking a little bit about the pro life stuff. I know we covered some of it last week and over the weekend, uh, there were more, uh, there were more developments. Uh, I guess it was late Friday, but since we've been on, uh, to talk about it, um, but, uh, we have a good, uh, guy who understands these things really well. CEO and president of 40 days for life, Sean Carney, uh, their organization. Pays a lot of attention both to the policy aspects of abortion and abortion related stuff, as well as the impact on people and, and women, especially and uh, families. And so, Sean, welcome to the program. How are you, sir?
1: Good to be on. Thank you.
0: Well, first, let me ask you, Sean, I I did another interview. It wasn't even for my show. It was another radio show. And I said this ruling out of the Supreme Court, it kind of it kind of just kicks the can down the field because you have an abortion, two drugs that are delivered as uh, a chemical abortion and not enough regulation, many of us think, on this period. uh, And not much was really finally settled by the Supreme Court. Am I getting that about right?
1: yeah that's exactly right they just they kicked the can down the the, the road uh, everybody except thomas and alito who were the only ones to to dissent um this has been a growing problem it's like mold in the attic the fda just pushed through are you 46 in 2000 um the first girl young <laughs> woman to die uh, was holly patterson in san francisco she died in 2003 and her dad um is really the one who brought attention and just called and he's not, he he doesn't publicly say he's pro-life or pro-choice because he wants to just stay out of it. But he doesn't like the fact that his daughter was killed by a drug and that much of the negative evidence against Tristone, especially was just ignored by the FDA. So this is, this is just sort of 20 years in the making. Um, And now, you know, everybody says that, uh, you know, the court shouldn't decide, uh, you know, Health care for women. this lawsuit was brought about by doctors. That's the lawsuit, and so you know, when the Texas judge said they make a good point, a lot of this was just shoved through, and it went to the supreme Court um Those were physicians that that initiated this process.
0: Oh, we're talking again with uh, Sean Carney, who heads up Forty Days for Life. You can go to their website, forty the number four zero Forty daysforlifecom There's a lot of their a lot of of uh, aspects of their work. Again, is education and and uh, as well as policy. Um, Sean, you mentioned that this has been going on for a couple decades. One of the facts of life of of humans, but especially in the area of so you say politics as policy, is if you can do something for a while, people start to think it's acceptable. Yeah. You know, and so, for example, related to this COVID, um, a lot of people scared. And forget about why they were scared or what they were scared of. Just a lot of people scared. And so changes made and things like, well, uh, I, I can't get to the pharmacy, mail my drugs. And, and we used to say, that was pick a drug topic. It was not we're not talking about any drug. But when it came to this drug, again, the the, the the pair of drugs that are chemical abortions, they're getting mailed through the sent through the mail now. So you got telemedicine says, you know, tell me if you're pregnant, I'll give you this drug. Then I'll mail it to you. I mean, And, and by the way, many states are saying, and the ACLU seems to be leading on this, that we don't want uh, parents to know if it's an underage child. You know, they don't have any right to know this is your, this is something for you. Um, it's a lot happening fast. And here's my thing, Sean. You mentioned the doctors. This disproportionate weight lands on the women, right? I mean, we have women in this country who have been compelled by our cultural mores to be on a chemical birth control for Decades before they stop and want to have children. And now we have a chemical drug for abortion. Aren't these things really bad for the woman?
1: Absolutely. And people, they they want you to think that this is like college kids who go out and drink too much and wake up and take an Advil the next morning for their hangover. That's not what this is. It's a series of two pills. The first, um, Mifeprostone kills the baby, poisons the baby up to 10 weeks they all start, stop uh, heartbeats. Um, and then the second pill uh, forces contractions. So the woman passes the baby and she passes it. She is the only one. There's no nurse holding her hand. This is a very private event. And mm-hmm. we have worked with thousands of women who say, oh, my word, it was a, it was a baby. My baby was in the toilet. I was at the movie theater. I was at the prom. We've heard all of those things. And it is extremely painful. Painful. Um, as you mentioned, on the mail order, you can't mail it just anywhere. That's what they want. Right now, that's still a trial program with 13 states. And Ed, that trial program is more regulated than what the FDA just did, where they told Walgreens and CVS, yeah, y'all can distribute this all over the country. And it's like, no, you can't. That's illegal. The right. FDI the FDA gave no legal guidance at all. They just de- further deregulated RE forty six. So, but it is a private event. It's extremely painful. We have worked with a number of former abortion facility workers who said really the beginning of their conversion was they found themselves talking women out of taking these chemical abortions because they knew one in four end up in the ER. So, um, It's not good for women and it's definitely not on the it's no big deal list. It's a very big deal.
0: Uh, we're talking again with, uh, Sean Carney, who is the, uh, CEO and the president of 40 days for life. You should check out their website, 40daysforlife.com. Again, a lot of there, there in lots of different ways. If you're into the policy, there's policy stuff. If you're in for, I'm looking right now at, uh, a daily companion, uh, for living a culture of life. There's a lot of, uh, 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 there. Um, Sean, what happens next in the, I, I just, in the battle on the culture of life, meaning, um, there's no more Roe v. Wade. You know, there's no more Dovey Bolton. So the, so, uh, Goliath has left the building, if you want to think that way. And now we're back to something where, you know, half the people are debating whether the next action is in the state or the Congress or whatever. But more importantly, y- you've got a situation where, um, we're talking about abortion drugs. Uh, uh Planned Parenthood, I think they've made this public that they don't plan to build as many buildings they want to do digital. They want to get at people that way. Um in Ohio, they've got a, on the ballot that next fall they've got a initiative that would uh, protect abortion, but also protect uh transgender surgeries. In other words, make it so that you can't be stopped from doing that no matter what age you are. Don't have to get your parents' permission, which it always it feels to me, just me talking Sean, is it's like a TikTok uh created. Uh, crisis, a lot of it. But wh- where are we on this, uh, Sean? How do you, how does 40 Days for Life, how do you see the future if you can? And wh- what, how do you give people encouragement?
1: Well, it's to our advantage. I mean, it, it, we have new challenges as we're discussing, but, but I'll take them because it means Roe was overturned. plain right. Parenthood was ill equipped for this moment. um You're right. They are trying to go digital because they know what. You will never hear abortion advocates admit, but Planned Parenthood knows it as a fact of their bottom line, which is distance is a huge deterrent from a woman having an abortion. The, the idea that you're going to build all these abortion facilities in California and women from Texas and Alabama and Tennessee are just going to, like, sprint to the airport to fly out there is absurd. Uh, we are about to see the abortion market shrink significantly in the United States with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And that's already happening. We have. A hundred thousand babies is the conservative estimate just in Texas who have been born in the last year and a half since we got our heartbeat bill. And then, of course, with with Roe. So uh the pro-life movement, which is certainly where 40 days for life comes in, uh, is the strongest in the grassroots. I mean, how many disappointments have we had in D.C. with uh, whether it be Congress not defunding Pl- Planned Parenthood or Justice Roberts, who's turned out to be a disaster um, and this is a huge victory now, thanks to Trump giving us the, the triplets. And it goes to where our strength is. The pregnancy centers outnumber abortion providers five to one. Uh, just with 40 Days for Life, we've closed 138 abortion facilities. Half of those are in blue pro-abortion states where it will remain legal and celebrated. So you can go change hearts and minds and impact the bottom line of an abortion facility and close them down. It's why they're shifting to this digital Part of it, but the states have the ability to regulate that. Missouri is doing it. Uh, I'll be there at their March for Life in a couple of days. Um, Texas has done it. You can re- You can say you can't ship these drugs in our into our state or out of our state. They're completely banned, and, and that that's what needs to happen on the legislative front.
0: All right, Sean Carney. Listen, thank you, first of all, for being out there. And, uh, we appreciate, I appreciate very much, uh, 40 days for life. We should have you, uh, on more frequently, your people, because that you do so many different things that have to do with, uh, continuing this, uh, to build a culture of life. Again, it's 40daysforlife.com. Sean, Sean Carney has been our guest. I appreciate it very much. And, uh, on we fight and, uh, on we, uh, uh, go, uh, to build this culture of life. So thank you, sir.
1: Thank you. Keep up the great work.
0: OK, Sean Carney, everybody. And again, I'll put up on social media uh some more of the details of uh, what he's up to and what his organization is doing. There's a lot of there there. I've, we've had uh, it's been a while since we had somebody from his team on. Um So 40 days for life dot com uh four zero days dot com. OK, we'll take a break and we will be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report back in a moment. back welcome back ed martin here on the pro america report uh, my old friend cheryl chumley who's over at the washington times she is the uh, online editorial page uh, editor but also writes there and uh, you can go to her own website uh, also but i follow her on twitter where if you go on twitter you'll see both links to her podcast uh and uh, what she's up to there which is always fun that the, the uh, uh the episodes as they post she puts them up there and um it is bold, uh, bold and blunt bold and blunt with cheryl uh, chumley and i noticed one of them which i listened to was uh last week four or five days ago on religious freedom and so i emailed her and i said cheryl would you come on the show so here she is cheryl trumley welcome back cheryl how are you
2: and i'm doing great thank you so much for having me back i love chatting with you
0: well you're very nice and thank you and by the way it's boldblunt.radio.washingtontimes.com. dot it's a great podcast so I'm looking at this, and so I'll say from the the summary: uh, If you were asked to name the five liberties secured by the First Amendment in the Constitution, and then choose which one was important, what would you say? And then you say, if you, if it's not religious freedom, then perhaps you should rethink. Okay, we're in a place right now, Cheryl, where we hear a lot about um, freedom of speech. We have freedom of association. People are concerned about that. We even have, I I think, venture to say we could have a conversation about whether you're allowed to uh, petition your government, say you show up at a protest on January 6th, et cetera, et cetera. But religious freedom. And I know you've written a book on this, too. It trumps
2: <laughs> it trumps them all. huh? It, it trumps them all. And here's why, because. American exceptionalism is rooted on the premise that our rights as individuals come from God and government is only there in a subservient role to preserve and protect those God-given liberties. And so if you remove God from that equation, then that removes all the other liberties that follow, that flow from God. Hmm.
0: Do you think... um Cheryl, you've been writing for a couple decades at least. Do you, do you see the, um, the attacks on religious freedom? It feels like, uh, freedom of speech. You can almost see the attacks and the censoring every day. But religious freedom, is it, is it, um, are, is it encroaching? So are, are the, are the lim- are the limits on our freedom of our religious freedom happening overtly? Um, And is that what you see or is it sort of the culture that's shutting it down? I mean, I think it's both, but how do you see it happening?
2: Yeah, it, I agree. It's definitely both, right? And yep. the, the danger part, though, is when it seeps into the culture. Because when you have a tax on, say, someone wearing a cross to a public school on a, on a chain on their neck, and they're told they can't do it, that's something physical that you can fight. You can hire an attorney, you can go to court, and you can win your right to wear a, a cross necklace in school. But when these things seep into the culture, they happen in, in insidious ways. Ways, right. And the left is so clever about attacking religious freedom without calling it an attack on religious freedom. And that's why America is facing these perilous, dark times right now. And because the Democrats are busily booting God from the public and those in America who know better, the Christians, the faithful, the believers, the ev- evangelicals are allowing it to happen. They're allowing their voices to be silenced.
0: That's what I wanted to ask you. That's funny you got there too, man. We're, again, we're talking with a Cheryl Tremley. Bold and Blunt is her podcast over in Washington Times site. She's the online editorial page editor. That, that's actually where I wanted to go. If you ask me who should really know what's going on and be leading speaking out on it, it should be the pastors and the rabbis and the communities of faith saying you know what we can see where this is headed therefore we you know we're not just selling widgets if the widget uh, market gets uh, skewed by you know chinese uh, um you know flooding the market that's a problem this isn't the widget we got called to be the pastors and i i don't know if i've ever seen of, of every denomination any uh, a time where there's any less obvious calling forth of this and saying hey this is what's happening to us we have to stand up and stop it i mean you could get a you could get a march on washington for almost any other topic than
2: hey oh they're coming for our our communities of faith right now am i wrong No, you're not wrong. And this is why we're at where we're at in America right now, because those who know better, for instance, the religious leaders in America, they know that God is supposed to be at the helm and government is supposed to be subservient, but they have allowed themselves to be deceived into thinking that, well, we can't talk politics in the Christian community because the two don't mix. And the left has been busily, as I said, Uh, taking advantage of the fright of those who know better, those who don't want to be embarrassed or speak out or put on the spot, and cowed them into this silence. So now we are at a time in America where founding fathers If they were alive today, their eyebrows would be raised high because they knew you could not keep individual liberties intact in America unless you had moral and virtuous people, because those are the only people who are capable of self-governing. And to have moral and virtuous people, you need people who look higher than their own minds and hearts. You need people who rely on God for that moral compass.
0: Uh, Cheryl Chumley again is our guest. Her, uh, our podcast is, uh, bold and blunt with Cheryl Chumley. Um, okay. The late, Phyllis laugh. I always do this to my listeners. Uh, Cheryl, you, you, I got the problem. I think I believe you. I see it and feel it too. Now, what do we do about it? Because if my pastor's not really standing up or the way he's standing up is not really effective, um, w- well, I, I can become a pastor, I guess, or what, what do we do now? What, what do you, what do you think? Or what, what, let me say it better. What are the, Uh, either the things we're seeing happening or the possibilities.
2: Well, it, it's really not that hard, right? It's use your voice and fight. Like you see the problem and you, when you do your show all the time, Ed, you don't worry about mixing politics with your faith and so forth. When I do my show, I don't worry about it because I don't care that the atheists and the secularists and the anti-American forces are going to attack me. Don't care about them. I only want to put my voice out there so other people sitting at home may be cowed into silence by these leftists will say, hey, you know what? I have God-given liberties. I can speak out too. And as an example of how just speaking out can win battles, win huge battles, look at the Dylan Mulvaney affair with Bud Light, right? It took all of a blink of an eye to shut down the doors on that. That's how every fight that comes in America should be handled by those in the believing side, in the Christian community.
0: Uh, Cheryl Chumley is our guest at CK Chumley on Twitter. By the way, I mentioned her Twitter feed. Um, okay. And then maybe, uh, and we were talking off the air and, and there's still probably more facts coming, but you know, Tucker Carlson, pretty big voice where, um, for whatever reason, he's no longer going to be on Fox. Uh, it feels like if you're willing to do that, the costs are going to go up, up, up. In fact, if you're going to be better at more and more effective, you're going to find more and more, uh, trouble. Now, I know that's sort of what <laughs> you and I, we, we sort of revel in it, but that's our own disorder. But I mean, normal people, <laughs> normal people go back to that famous essay that Habel, the, the became later became the Czech Republic's president. It's called The Power of the Powerless, where he's talking about uh, the people behind the Iron Curtain. You didn't have to be told to step back and to put up a sign saying workers of the world unite in your shop window. You didn't have to become a card carrying member. You just had to get with the program. It feels like that's the getting with the programs happening to a lot of good people, Cheryl, you and I, not just people we don't like and think are weak, people that are good people that just don't want to have to have their life be uh, tortured.
2: Yeah, well, you know, that's a poor (laughs) excuse, right? Because it it is because if you read the Bible and you're a Christian, you know that when you stand up for the right side that you are going to be attacked. Jesus tells you that. And so you should expect it, but you should also realize that your reward may not come here on earth. It may come in heaven, but in the end, you're going to have to make a decision as an individual. Which side do you want to fight for? Who do you want to be fighting for when the end days come? And for me, myself, I would rather be standing before God and being uh, given a head pat for at least going out fighting the good fight than just standing down and saying, you know what? I don't want to be attacked. It's uncomfortable. It hurts my feelings. Uh, It makes me cry or whatever. So I'm not even going to fight.
0: Well, I think it's one of the reasons I enjoy having you on the show so uh, uh, much. Uh, Cheryl Chumley, everybody, again, she is the host uh, hostess of Bold and Blunt with Cheryl Chumley over at Washington Times. She's the online editorial page editor there and writes uh, regularly and frequently. She was previewing, I won't tell you yet, one of her column ideas, which made me laugh out loud <laughs> and and thought, think, uh, thought a little bit, too. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Thank you, Cheryl, for your time.
2: Thank you, Ed. Thank All you right.
0: so much. You're welcome. Cheryl Chumley, everybody. We will, uh, I'll put up on social media both a link to that podcast as well as uh, to the page where her writings are posted. And we will take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. This is the
1: Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. We're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney and articulate voice for traditional values for more than seventy years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
0: Congress has not authorized a war with Ukraine, and the American people have never been asked to approve it. Public support for sending American weapons to Ukraine has dropped from sixty percent last year to less than fifty percent, according to a poll by the AP Nork Center for Public Affairs Research. An NBC News poll showed that merely 41% of Americans approve of Biden's approach to the war. Young voters are more opposed to this entanglement, and they are a key swing demographic in upcoming elections. One of the few Republicans who did well in a swing state last November was the one who spoke out against continued American involvement in this war. J.D. Vance won by a near landslide in Ohio with that campaign position, where there are many immigrants from the Ukraine, by the way. Polls today show that only a tiny percentage of voters are undecided as to which of the two major parties they will support in the next election. Republicans would do well, as Richard Nixon did in 1968 and J.D. Vance did last year, to focus on young voters who do not support perpetual war. The phony advice that wars are great for re-election may have been true in 1944, when FDR called for Americans not to swap horses in midstream, but we can be thankful that the conflict in Ukraine has not provided America with a Pearl Harbor around which to rally our citizens. Instead, we find ourselves much closer to President Woodrow Wilson in 1916, whose less-than-creative slogan was, he kept us out of war. The American people have no interest in a distant war with Russia fought on Ukrainian soil, and why should they? One corrupt regime targeting another is hardly a concern of ours. The American people support keeping our homeland safe, So that is what our leaders should be focusing on right now. Drop the phony diversity rhetoric from military recruitment efforts and prioritize actual combat readiness. The surest way to ensure peace in the West is to make ourselves a giant that neither Russia nor China would dare to awaken. Peace wins elections, and military superiority wins peace.
1: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. America is safe only when America is strong. Our national defense requires the most modern technology and best-trained soldiers, and there should be no social politics or idle threats coming out of Washington. At phyllisschlafly.com, we take this work very seriously. Please visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a pro America report. Well, I don't know what to say about it's going to make this segment about 60 minutes and the Ray Epps coverage on 60 minutes. But now I have to talk about uh, uh, Tucker Carlson and the extraordinary news that Tucker Carlson is leaving Fox news. And I don't know what to believe. I don't believe anything I hear so far. Uh, I, you know, people say Tucker was fired. They say it was mutual agreement. They say it was due to the Dominion settlement. I don't think we really know or will know. But here's what I'll tell you. Tucker Carlson is the biggest voice the opposition party, opposition, yeah, party, opposition movement has had in a couple of years. And he's silenced because of this. You could say he's going to go get a podcast. He's going to go to another network. Um, but I don't think it's going to matter. Remember, Tucker Carlson came to Fox with a couple of decades of TV experience. He had been on MSNBC. He had been at CNN. He had been a pro in TV. But even more importantly, he had been a professional writer and a journalist for a couple of decades, a real writer. Uh, he's talked about that, that he, he likes writing more than any of this stuff. He's a fairly unique personality he didn't come up as a TV guy didn't come up as a radio guy in fact didn't do that much radio at all he, he stuck to TV and when he and also he was raised with insane and fabulously wealthy uh, you know his mother was a very prominent heiress he lived in, in great uh, luxury his life his whole life um, and he did not have much to lose if I can say that. He didn't need the, the stature of the TV show. He had been fired from CNN and fired from MSNBC uh, other times. So he had money. By most accounts, he's pretty well adre- adjusted. He's got three kids, two or three kids, his wife. Um, he's got homes, safe places to be. He likes creating his uh, the stuff he does. But here's the thing. He didn't need anybody. You know the most dangerous person, the most dangerous man, is somebody who doesn't need anybody else. In terms of the debts that can be called in to freeze behavior, he didn't need anybody. So, a couple a week ago, I think RFK Jr. put up on his Twitter feed a week ago or so. Tucker had a scathing report or a scathing commentary on pharma and the impact of big pharma. He has taken on the Republican establishment. He's taken on the Republican leadership in the House and Senate. He's taken on the presidency. He's even taken on Trump, at least in those emails that came out publicly. He was blasting Trump. He's um he no one owned the guy, which I think made him dangerous. I mean, I, it is extraordinary. But here's the thing. I, I don't share anybody uh, uh, anybody's uh, uh, notion that somehow he's going to reconstitute himself in another place and be as strong. I did that stint at CNN about 6 months a little less than 6 months uh of uh, of uh, uh as a contributor at CNN. And I um I found that after about a month of being on TV almost every night I started to feel the difference. People knew who I was. And when I and suddenly I was doing uh, radio bookings and different things, I got a lot more attention. And my point is the power of these networks, CNN, Fox, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And um, the impact of losing that and saying you're going to reconstitute it. Think about Bill O'Reilly. He does a show every day. Have you ever seen it? I haven't. I mean, I know he does because I got friends that are friends of his and I know he's out there doing this show. Even uh, Megan Kelly, she does her podcast and it's a video podcast. It's very cool and she gets a lot of people to watch her. You know, Joe Rogan does a, does a, uh, now Joe, Joe Rogan does a podcast and he gets a 10 million viewers of his podcast, but it's different than Fox. It's different than TV. It's different than appointment TV. I mean, Tucker could have a podcast that gets 10 million views. It still won't be the same thing. I, I don't know how to describe to you the power of that, but and, and that voice being gone, because nobody owned him. Tucker Carlson, nobody owned him. Nobody even he didn't nobody owned him, and he owed nobody. That made him a powerful voice. And that's gone. You think about the stories he covered. Julie Kelly who is a best-selling author? She's a best-selling author because of Tucker. Tucker uh, gave her a boost, and and rightly so. And others, Glenn Greenwald, Glenn Greenwald has experienced fairly significant success in large part because he's been a kind of crossover hit, truth teller, but a crossover into tr- into uh, more conservative circles. That's the reality of that, and so Tucker. Uh, being whatever the the truth that comes out being gone from fox is a big big deal big deal not a good deal all right that's it everybody thank you as always noah dingley our producer ryan Hyde, associate producer thank you all for tuning in i will be back tomorrow it's ed martin here on the pro america report talk to you then